is Era Society, and you are listening to the Countercultural Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the show. I have a very special guest today. And, you know, I don't normally do guests on the podcast, but I have been doing a couple lately of just people that I adore and I just wanted to talk to. So I asked um, Salwa to come on and talk to us, mostly because you had put up a set of Instagram stories a couple of weeks ago. And I, w- I watched them and I was like, I need to rewatch this again. I, and I watch it like three or four times. I was like, what is she like? What is she actually saying? I need to know <laughs> what is going on in her brain that would possess her to talk about vulnerability in this way, but mostly about being seen. So I immediately, my body was like, I need to talk to you about this. Will you come on the podcast? And I'm so happy that you said yes. So welcome. Yes, of course. Thank yeah. you. It's so funny because when you asked me, when you responded to that story and you repeated back to me what I said, mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, <laughs> I did say that. It felt so good because sometimes, you know, you're speaking and you're, you're saying things and it feels, feels good in my body, but to hear you repeat it back to me, yes. I was like, yeah, I'm right. Like, yeah. yeah no, no, you were, like, no, yes. you were right. Like, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think even more so why you're right. I would love for you to tell the people your top three in astrology. So sun, moon, rising, and then your top three in human design, which is type authority profile. Yeah. So I'm a Leo sun, Pisces rising, Virgo moon, Mm. and I'm a four, six splenic project. Baby, yes, I, I am man heavily surrounded by splenic projectors, low key, my favorite ones. And it's just like when you said that it was like lightning, I was like, that is true. That is, it's safe for me to believe that that's true. I think that that's how I receive splenic projectors when they're in their own truth, you could say, it feels safe for me to like come along with them on the ride as someone taking in their information. And I was just like, oh my God, we got to, I have to know more about this because so much of the self-development, wellness, spirituality space, one of the biggest topics is authentic self, true self, true expression, hiding, um, not wanting to be seen or, you know, narcissistically being seen and making it all about you. And I'd love for you to give us a little bit of your background um, and your studies and kind of just different ideologies and philosophies that you love learning about and reading about. And then I want us to dive into vulnerability and just the infrequent calculated vulnerability. Yes, I love, I love getting to know all versions of myself. Mm. I love belonging to where I've been, where I presently am and where I'm going in the future. And I think that sometimes I oscillate between all, all of those things, but I just love going and seeing where am I still one of maybe holding on to a set of rules or um, guidelines that aren't serving me. I'm gripping onto something that I need to let go of the past version of myself. What 
what like what version of myself needs to have the floor today I mm. love I just love it's I feel so juicy like going back and then going forward and also being present and mm. also um really belonging to my emotions because for the longest time I was if anyone knows attachment styles, I came from an mm. avoidant attachment style. Same. And that's, you know, attachment styles are all, you did too? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh I know. I know. I know. <laughs> it's so funny. Most of my clients that I have too, typically are avoidant, whether they know it or not. And wow. I, and I, there's a lot of things that come up where I'm like, oh, I, I'm, I never want to, I, to label someone that, but there are certain cues when I can smell it out. I'm like, oh, Okay. Mm. Um, and they always usually find, you know, what you want yes. to offer, what you've been through, usually people come. So that's, Absolutely. but I was so detached from myself and my emotions. Mm. And I really only believed, I love, um, I've loved learning what it means to be independent, but not void of real intimacy with other people and myself, because I used to believe that independence yeah. was the lone wolf. I yes. don't need anyone. I don't need you. Yes. Which what? Yeah. I, know. I mean, it took me a long time to say what, and I say it very, um, you know, silly now, but I really believed that what made me strong was not needing another. Yeah. Um, and I was, um, and I, I, yeah, I just didn't feel safe with my emotions in any way. I was scared of them. I had no intimacy with them. So I love building intimacy with myself that has mm. given me, I, it feels like I come home to me. I am not afraid to be open and available to others because I, I know myself so well, but I'm also so open to being surprised or being mirrored something different. So I'm not scared of the curiosity of what more I can learn, but mm. I'm not afraid of where I've been or where I am today. Mm, and mm. I, that really allows me to be vulnerable and honest mm. um, and available for connection because I'm not preemptively looking for someone to point out something about me that I'm afraid of. I'm like, oh, mm. I know that. Oh, I know mm. that. So I know that. I know that so well. Like, tell me more, please. You know, yeah. it's not even, I'm not scared. I love that. I, you know, the, the piece that, I'm really just still like chewing is being available for connection, not just with other people, but to connect to ourselves. And there's, you know, we, we, as humans, we want to be in relationship with each other. You know, I think dating or marriage is like one of the biggest volume industries in terms of money. And then I think kids are quickly right after that. Um, and the biggest thing that I noticed, I celebrated my eight year marriage wedding anniversary yesterday and we were just like reflecting on eight years and just like you know what did we learn oh my so god beautiful. I was like oh I love I'm such a sucker for going back is that my cancer Venus I don't know but I'm just like yes when did we fall in love oh my uh, god that's typical you, cancer Venus <laughs> I'm in a, oh my again. gosh I'm a Venus in Aquarius so I'm like okay thanks bye <laughs> I'm like, say it again. <laughs> but no, I oh saw that. Oh my gosh. Thank you. I saw that. Thank that. you. Um, Alex is also four six and he's very emotional. And 
Um, so he was just like, you know, tell me what you've learned from our eight marriage, you know, eight years in marriage. I'm like trying to make it a therapy session. And he's like, no, no, no. But like, what are the things that you loved? <laughs> he's like, yo, 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 yo. So I was just thinking that, you know, I think we try to rush into a we out of abandonment and loneliness before a me connection. And we can, we can say, oh, I'm so available to date and I'm so available for connection. But like you just said, you always attract already what you are. And so if you're afraid of connecting with yourself, then you're going to attract a partner, a friendship group, a job, whatever, that is also afraid to connect and AKA heal or, you know, um, release winding thoughts about who that person is so that when you guys come together in relationship, it's actually not the things that you thought that it would be. And um, obviously the attachment, knowing the attachment styles help a lot, but I don't think that we as a collective really advocate for taking care of ourselves first before we go out into the world and try to say, I want to be of service. I want, you know, to help and heal the world. I want to do all these different things. And it's like, how intimate are you with yourself first? If you don't know anything about you, how could you be of service or help to other people? And so I wanted, maybe you can like teach us something or kind of give us some insight onto, you know, this idea of I'm afraid to be seen or maybe I'm too much, maybe I'm too loud and that's why I'm afraid to be seen. How can we begin to like unpack that? Because I see a lot in the work that I do, you know, the voices that people have looping in their field is a lot of times not even their own voice. And they haven't come face to face with that voice and what it wants to say about them. And so I was noticing that whenever I would say you are God, it would trigger a lot of people because they, you know, they were like, what, what are you talking about? There's only one God. And, you know, I have to obey this God. And I, I'm this minuscule little person. I'm basically nothing. And it was very, it was shocking to me because I didn't grow up in that kind of force field, you know? Mm -hmm. So for me, when I say that you're God, it's not a compliment, like, oh my God, you're so beautiful, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. No, <laughs> it's, it's not like an egoic thing. It's, it's more of an identity. Like you are love, you are God. And that's what we tell our kids every night before we go to bed. Black is so beautiful. You are a leader. You are God. God is love. It's, and now they just know it. And Alex was telling me they went for a baby Chino this morning. They like to go on little like coffee dates. I know with each that other. Is so precious. And Alex was like, you should see the way that people stare at them because they know that they're God. Like they'll smile at them. They'll wave at them and like they'll wave back and just like be like, hey, you know, like super confident four and six years old. And I'm just like, when did we lose that along the way and how do we get back yes oh my gosh and I first of all you have I mean you and Alex you know like I've learned so much about you holding the pose that's still a, that mm. is still a mini prayer that I say yes. in terms of when I am checking in with my posture and life and how I'm showing up mm. and so I love that you're teaching your kids how to hold that pose that is yeah. so decadent. I love that. Mm, um, so thank you for that mini expansion. But I think that, you know, a lot of the stories we have, first of all, we've learned 
from a very young age, what it means, what did you, how did you perceive being in your power? How did Mm. you perceive being in your own spotlight? What did younger you, not just the you that's like, the one that's like, oh, I'm in my inner child. Like she wanted X, Y, and Z. But like, like if I were to ask, you know, like what did young jazz, what Mm. would she have articulated about being in her power truly how would that be encouraged would that be mm. applauded would that be told hey up, like your glass ceiling is here but when we're here you need to rein it in you need to bring it in um it's you know that's selfish or you need to you're superficial whatever mm-hmm. messaging we got from what it meant for us to be authentically and I just mean when I say authentic just like honest yeah. when you're just honestly you yes. when you're honestly expressing yourself how was that received? And when you don't really confront or investigate how that was received from the earlier stages, you know, we're adults and we're just thinking, oh, I can't be too loud. Oh, I don't belong here. Mm. Oh, um, I need to, uh, that too muchness to me is like always outsourcing our power. Like even mm-hmm. when you're talking about um, when people are like, no, oh, there's only one God. Um, I can't be that thing. I mm-hmm. need to be, I am underneath. Mm-hmm. I've exalted this thing and I am beneath them and they will tell me what to do. They'll tell me what to say. I'm following their lead. And it's like, when did you learn that it was safe to trust yourself? And mm. I think that that's um, like, first I had to really unpack, like, what did that mean for me? What did the adults in my life show me so yeah. they can be directly and indirectly? You know, I watched a marriage between my parents who got divorced twice because, <laughs> you know, wow. first time, well, the second time they didn't remarry, um, but they got back together just to make sure that it was, they should not have gotten back together. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, even that modeling and I'm, I'm really not afraid to kind of be really honest with how I perceived it. I think the part of that too muchness and, and not being able to, to face that story as well. I think a lot of people, feel bad and shame around kind of you know, so no it was fine everything was really good like they did their best and mm. yeah great okay cool um <laughs> I'm not I'm not saying that that's not true and I'm not here to remove any amount of joy from anyone's life that they have in their heart from any right yeah. um, I think that those are moments are important too especially when we're in a wellness world of thing yes. to remember those joys however it's it doesn't have these T trauma for you to have, even, even if you're a very sensitive being, because I realized that yeah. I actually was a really sensitive kid and I'm a sensitive person. Of course, I was learned, I learned from, you know, a mother who loved, but not a most. Or feeling safe to be sad or, okay, what do you say? I think you're back. I think like, we're back. Uh, it wasn't really modeled to have. Okay, cool. It wasn't modeled to have um, the modeling for emotional availability mm. and to be like, oh, you're sad. That's okay. Yes, yes, you can cry. You can stay there for more than a day. You're not supposed to just all of a sudden be fine. That's what I was taught. Like, okay, cool. You're over it now. And of course, that came from my parents' um, survival. They're immigrants. They yes. came here from Uganda, East Africa. That is a real, so much trauma that people have addressed, right? And so I can understand that. 
and I can say, this is the impact it had on me. Yes. And I get to own that impact. And from there be like, I love you. And also you didn't mm. really like, this wasn't shown and yes. I'm, it's not a blame thing, but I have to acknowledge that that was my reality. Mm. What did I perceive from that? But I'm also not, um, I have the power to, to change that. Yeah. Um, but I think you, you, um, you gotta be, I don't know. I feel like I'm a person that my partner always says us. He's like, you love to go there. You're really willing to go there. Not everyone does. And I'm like, no, I don't get it. <laughs> same, exact I, same. <laughs> and so I, um, yeah. And so this too muchness, this power, it's really investigating what have you, what is, first of all, what is your, you talk about this a lot too. What is your definition of power? Not what has been, I always like to break things up, right? Because a, a lot of our authenticity is entangled with stories that are not ours, voices yes. that are not ours, right? So it's not about saying, oh, I don't know who I am at all. It's like, no, you were always honest and authentically yourself, but what's sitting on top or what's entangled yes. that is not yours? Yes. And let's untangle it. So yes. it's like your version of being powerful, maybe it's not super different. Maybe it's just like a little bit of a tweak, um, but it's really asking yourself like, when you are this precious being who's, who is, um, you know, you have the adults in your life that are taking care of you, you know, they are your universe. They are mm -hmm. your everything. Like, what are you soaking in from these dynamics, um, from your schools, friendships, anything that are making, that are telling the story of how powerful you get. Because when yeah. we also talk about shadow work, good things can go in your shadow. It's not just these yes. quote unquote negative things. It can really be like, beautiful, talented, artist, power, capable, um, opinionated, anything that is just actually, you know, quote unquote good, we can throw those away too, because we're fearful of, you know, oh, am I going to be envied? Is that mm. bad? Is that wrong? How do I make other people comfortable? Mm. But when you're trying to make everyone comfortable, how many, like, you're just creating a bunch of false, um, personalities and yeah. nothing is authentic you're like okay i'll be this version for you and then i'll be this version for you and i'll be this version for you I, you know what i um i talk about health a lot just my point of interest and i always thought i was gonna be a pediatric oncologist until i actually saw what that looks like on a day-to-day -day basis and i was like yes. i'm i'm not i'm not i'm not built for this so let me take another road but this deception of self truly i feel is at the root of all illness disease ailments even little things like skin issues pimples eczema i struggle with eczema and i talk about it quite a bit um like trying to heal my eczema through this perspective of where have i not released verbal attacks on myself because you know our skin protects our individuality and whether you know like like you said growing up with immigrant parents who have suffered large capital all t traumas in their households in their countries in their cultures and in a way i feel like you know our parents have ha fled these countries in order to give their kids an opportunity of something that they didn't even really know was available, but they were like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to fucking try. Like if yes. it's going to be the death of me and um, you know, like you, 
also grew, I also grew up with that um, emotional unavailability, you know, I have Chiron and cancer. So this is like the wound of almost like the absent mother, emotionally absent mother. And emotions were not, I, I, you know, I would be made fun of every time I cried. I cried about little things, tiny things. People didn't get picked on dodgeball. I'd cry in the class, you know, just just (laughs) all types of things. I would see, you know, a, you know, commercial for like feed the children, I would cry. It would just be anything that even now thinking about it, like it makes me want to cry. And I don't really know where that came from, but there would be times during childhood, um, especially when I would get into fights with my brothers and sisters and they would be like, you're such a crybaby. You cry for everything. And I took that, like you said, it could also be, our shadows can also be a good thing, which is compassionate, empathetic, vulnerable, and distorts it into this incapable not strong you know having to prove weak yes having to prove my strength and prove my power that of what the world looks like and I think you know really beautiful thing that you just said is like it's great to say you know my parents did the best that they could but also acknowledge I didn't get what I needed and it, yes. it doesn't even have to be, I didn't get what I needed from them over there, hunt them down. Yeah. It's just, I didn't get what I needed. And so now as an adult, how can I find ways to give myself what I didn't have? Because it's physically showing up in my body, in my relationships, it's informing my actions. It's stopping me from moving forward with the visions and the purpose that I see for my life. It's affecting so many different parts of who I am. And I think that we numb out because it can sometimes feel so overwhelming. Like, when am I ever going to be free from healing? And something that I always just try to center is that I'm already whole. So the healing process for me is not like excavating, 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 pulling up scabs, pulling up scabs. While there's a time and place for that, I personally choose to navigate down a playing field that says, how can I be continuously reminded of my wholeness? about where I'm showing up that's not whole, as opposed to why I have to figure out I'm not whole or why I have to figure out where that wound is. That digging, digging, digging has always left me in such a sorer, sorer place, like a more raw place, especially when you're doing those, that kind of digging by yourself, you know, and you don't have like a community to mirror back to you and say like, that's amazing that you had the courage to go to that depth, but you know, you, you can release that. Like it, it can be a scar instead of a scab. It, yes. it doesn't have to be something that, you know, has to, you keep on lifting up and be like, is this healed now? Is it healed now? Is it healed now? Um, and I've been studying a lot of um, energetic and metaphysical health for years and years and years. And I know without a shadow of a doubt that our health issues is a direct correlation with all of our formless bodies, subtle bodies, but we don't ever talk about the health of our subtle bodies. We only talk about the health of what we can see and feeling our emotions is the next subtle body that we're accessing through shadow work, through inner child work, through suppressing our tears. That's something that's happening. We're getting attacked in our subtle body. And if we don't stay curious to look, I mean, my uncle was healthy. And then next day diagnosed with stage four cancer, six months later, passed away. Like when I hear things like that, I just think to myself, 
How is that possible? There are other stages besides stage four. There's stage one, there's stage two, there's stage three. What is happening in those stages that we are not picking up on that it has to get to such a detrimental state before we can acknowledge the suppression and repression of our capital S self. Like, it's so frustrating. I'm so frustrated <laughs> because yeah. it's like, what are we missing? Is it, is it vulnerability? And like, what does that mean when we speak about vulnerability? Yes. Oh my gosh. You just said so much first. I just real quick. I used to also think that I wanted to be a surgeon and then mm. I was like, I hate hospitals. Yeah. This isn't going to work. <laughs> I just thought that was funny <laughs> when you really realize like, wow, this is not for me. Um, no. but I think there's, um, that, that, oh no. Okay. Let's see if she's going to jump back in. I'm so sorry. We're back. <laughs> okay. Um, but okay, let me gather my thoughts real quick. Cause you just yes. said so many amazing things, but I think that especially when you're talking about the, how far we normalize the, like, sometimes I look back in my life and I'm like, I cannot believe the level of pain that was my norm. Yeah. That you're just like, this is, this is what I thought was sustainable. This is the only option I had and things get louder and louder and louder. And usually like you're saying it, it forms physically because it's like, when are you going to listen to me? Like I have been telling you something that you've been ignoring and ignoring and ignoring, not questioning. And then it gets so loud. Um, and I think that when it comes to, especially our emotions, like even when you're talking about the tears when you're young and mm. the crybaby and and not having a um a healthy model of it is okay to be soft it is okay to be tender it's okay to cry it's okay to be angry as well and anger is also not something to fear right it can be modeled in a way that it's not just to hurt or to cut but it is um mm. it is a, a signifier that like my needs are crossed. Yes. My boundaries are crossed or I am not valuing myself. Yes. Like it's, it's information. I, and I love, so when we're talking about emotions, it's all, it's all of them. None of them are bad. There is no hierarchy. They're all our own information points. And I think that, um, even when you're talking about the tears thing, like, think about what that's saying. It's like, I'm like, would you look at a kid in front of you and just say like, you are not a yourself that way. Cause when you're crying, your body was naturally like, I'm sad. Yeah. And you got the message that like, and that's not okay for, it's not okay for you to be sad. It's not safe for you to be sad. And when you're younger, what does that lead to? I think the reason why we abandon our emotions so much is because facing that or expect, or um, owning that, embodying that, sharing that with another is going mm -hmm. to leave me abandoned. I am going to be left alone. <sighs> yeah. I, that's what it is, right? Like we're, we're suppressing that because um, on a deeper subconscious level, it is a dangerous place to be in because mm. you learn that at a young age, that it's not safe for me to, to show that at all, because like whoever is around me, my environment, what is going to keep me safe is going to reject me. 
Mm. That is the ultimate fear. But when you grow up and you realize like, wait, actually that isn't the truth, but my emotions are actually just getting, creating a deeper intimacy with myself. That's all that it is. Like you, like, how can you, how are you supposed to even know what your body is telling you when you're not, when you're so detached Mm. from like your joy from, am I even tired? Um, am I, um, when you're not even asking, what do I need today? How often did I walk Mm. around? I never asked that question. I didn't even think that that was, I didn't even dawn on me to ask like, Hey, soul, what do you need? Like that Mm. wasn't, my needs were not even, um, they weren't on the table. And I think when I think of those, you are my connection to my emotions or other people's connections to your emotion, their emotions, it really goes back to also, what am I needing? And what is that emotion telling me that I need? (sighs) I, um, excuse me. I was really for a minute kind of studying like safety and it dawned on me that like the opposite, you know, sometimes when we say rejection, abandonment, um, unsafety, it isn't, it doesn't have a direct opposite word, you know, like unsafety doesn't always mean safe. I think every single person has to really define it for themselves. And as I was thinking about, you know, what does unsafety mean? for me or what's the opposite of unsafety and it was spaciousness space time because as a child I always felt rushed like I had to perform and like you know like know the answer right now and if you don't know the answer you're gonna get in trouble and I just I needed time like I just Mm -hmm. need some time to process what's happening and then I can give you whatever the answer is and that came and showed it's, you know, it, it probably was in the back doing its pushups and getting ready for me because last year <laughs> I got completely burnt out because mm. I miscalculated time. I would just go at warp speed consistently for almost a year and a half. And my body just shut down. It was just like, Nope, no more. You're not accessing anything else from me. And it was my truthfully one of my one of the biggest health scares in my life because I went to every doctor on the island. No one could tell me what was going on with my body. I had blood parasites. I had all types of things that were inflammation. I had my eczema was all over the place. I had discolored stool. So they thought, oh God, could it be cancer? Could it be all types of dip? No, my body was just in. It was shutting, literally shutting down. My kids couldn't hug me. My skin was so sensitive. It hurt just if like a fan was blowing on it. And I was like, something is not right. I went and I got all these tests and they said, you're perfectly healthy. You have all of your blood counts are perfect. I'm like, you're not listening to me. Something is wrong. Like I do not feel well. And so I just rested and I would just sleep for days and days and days at a time. I would just cry and cry and cry. And it wasn't my physical body. It was my emotional body. I was completely disconnected from what it was trying to tell me, which is I am divine timing. I'm never late. You will wait for me. And I, 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 I didn't have those words when I was a kid. And so I just, no one ever said, oh, we're going to wait for you. Like, who do you think you are? <laughs> you know, it's, right. It's, exactly. <laughs> it's not even that type of energy. Like, who do you think you are? It's like, when I'm ready, you will see. 
I am divine timing. And it took that type of sickness and shutdown for me to have that clarity. And like, I just don't think that we need to have that. But I can affirm to you that it absolutely was infrequent vulnerability. And I really want you to like help us define and speak to what that is. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you tell me. No, I'm just kidding. It's so funny <laughs> when, you know, I got on that live and I was just like, oh, I have this thought. I'm going to say this thing. And so when I was talking about infrequent vulnerability for a really long time, I, again, I had this label. Oh, I don't do that. I don't do this. I don't have needs. I don't need anyone. Sawa doesn't need people. She's good. Mm. Um, I don't ask for things. You know, I never ask for anything. Like, look at me, this kind of just martyr, very, um, um, also like a victim mindset in a way. And so when I would ask for help and it would be unmet, I use it as an excuse to go back into my hole and yes. go back into my, my story. See, this is why I don't need people. They let you down. See, 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 you know, um, but really again, what I was asking too on my Instagram was the question is, why are you so infrequent with your vulnerability? Why was I so infrequent with honoring my needs? Mm -hmm. So anytime that I did the weight of me asking someone who was just kind of chilling and like, I'm not available right now to me, what meant the entire world because of how I was frequently behaving, which was shut down, not expressing my emotions, not knowing what I needed most of the time until it came to a point where I'm like, wow, I, you know, you know, those people. And I was one of them, of course, was like, um, and I, and I used to be labeled like this by other people as well was, oh, they're asking for help. This was my dad actually. Oh, he's upset. He must be really upset. Yes. Nothing that's him. I'm like, actually, as my adult self now, he was upset a lot and never said shit. Mm -hmm. And I, what I mean by that is not like he was a secretly angry person. It just means, what do you mean? He was never upset. Like that, that's not true. It's just this perception of like, oh, now it's such a big deal because don't you, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm making other people make it a big deal because I never do this. Mm. It's like, why, why are you always hoarding your needs? Why are you always oh rationing out your emotions and how you can receive them with yourself and other people? That is the problem. That's the issue. It's mm. not that this person let you down. It's actually okay that people let us down. That's actually okay because not everyone is going to be able to meet our needs. I'm not, I'm also at a point in my life where I'm not afraid to let people down. And I mean that with love because I'm like, because I'm probably going to. And also there's no way that we can always be available for one another to the capacity in which someone else needs to. And that is okay. Yes. Right. Um, but it's the, but now in my life, I'm so frequently available for connection. So if someone can't meet my need, if my partner can't, I'm like, I'm not going to pretend that I'm not hurt or whatever feeling I'm going through, but that's, it's not a complete devastation and disruption in my life. It's just yeah. like, cool. What are my other options? And what do I, how can I meet them in my own other way? Or can we, can we reconvene in another time where it's, it's doable for the both of us? That's what you're describing as courage. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like, because let's, let's think about this. Something that really comes up for me and obviously the clients that I attract is we're so excited about these visions that we have, you know, we're visionaries. We want to see the world change and do all these things. 
<laughs> you do not start with the vision. Okay. You start with one measly little step. <laughs> and sometimes that step literally is exactly what you just said is what are my needs? And we're just like, oh, that is, I don't want to do that. That's not fun. Yeah. Cause it's not sexy. It's, it's boring. Not sex- You're like, mm, it's so it's boring. <laughs> yeah. It's like, no, give me the vision. Give me the, you know, yes, the grand finale, the grand finale. But here's the thing though. If you, you know, if someone gave you 10 acres of land and before you can start fruiting trees, you have to clear the debris. Like, are you just going to whine about not the fact that you have 10 acres of debris land, or are you going to get a rake and start taking section by section and cleaning up? And over time, you will have this beautiful, abundant soil that you can now sow and tend to. And I think that we really need to luxuriate in the mundane. Because the mundane is the step-by-step that gets us to the mystical. It's like we want to just bypass straight to the mystical ascension. And like, it doesn't work like that. So we need to get a little bit of bravery, a little bit of power. And if we're saying that vulnerability can be that through line, it's where am I disconnected from the necessities of myself? And I want to say that necessities does not mean survival. Survival is something totally different. It's like, for me, in my mind, I see survival, necessity, desire, like Mm -hmm. survival is having my bills paid, having a roof over my head, having food in my belly, you know, not living in a stressful, toxic environment. And then when I think of needs, like friendship, connection, um, spaciousness, like the sun kissing your cheek and, you know, where you would like to go and um, spend time. What parks do you love? Desires to me is like visions. You're the vision for your life. You know, I want to get married in this beautiful place. I want to travel to this land. I want to, it's a spectrum. And I think sometimes we discombobulate in those three pots, like our visions become our absolute survival. And then our survival becomes a vision. Like, no, you should have your bills paid like you should not be in toxic environments that's not okay um but what you're describing you know your own process of how you came to that realization that like first of all we cannot all be each other's everything I need to be courageous enough to go make new friends and have new relationships where they can fit you know feed my needs and I can feed theirs it takes courage to do that especially after rejection and abandonment And so how can we begin to cultivate courage, even in small doses, to look at and think about, hey, I, you know, I deserve to have this need met and it's not being met by my partner. Instead of lashing out at them, where else can I go to fulfill this need? Where else can I connect with people? Um, And obviously you can't know who to connect with until you connect first with the need that you have within yourself. So it always starts with that me, but I'd love to hear if you have anything um, to say about like starting courageously. Yes. And I also love the, the different buckets that you laid out so beautifully. I love that. And I also, so this is where I always go back to that, that creating intimacy with myself, because when we're trying to bypass, we're trying to rush intimacy, right? Like Oh, I never have needs. I never ask you for anything. So now I am Mm. without your knowing, without your, and I think it's, when I look back at me doing that, I, I, I label it actually as incredibly intrusive that I was, um, 
putting that much pressure on someone without their consent. Like, right. I'm coming with all of, I'm asking you jazz for a need from my wound, not from me who was whole, who is integrated, who understands this need. I'm asking you to, to, to mask a wound for me, essentially. What? And that's not fair to either party. Right. And so I think that going back to before we race to like, okay, who am I going to ask for things who, you know, there's, your needs are not a performance. Your availability is not a performance. That connection with yourself isn't, and it doesn't need to be proven. I think sometimes we want to skip the steps and just kind of start doing the things. But before we even, um, how can we be frequent with our um, vulnerability with ourselves first? Mm -hmm. Do you know what your needs are? Step one. And I would even pick up a journal. I give this to my clients. I'm like, you now have a needs journal. And I want you to create intimacy with this needs journal every day. What are your needs? How I want you to ask yourself that every single day and jot down. I don't give a shit what you say, even if it's just water. Mm-hmm. I just want you to not be afraid of that question. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a, um, there's no perfect answer, but like, can you create a relationship where you know, like, wow, I had no idea I needed that. Or I typically need this at this time. Or what does that even mean to me? Because again, when we go with our wound and expecting someone to fulfill this much bigger story than we're being honest with, sometimes we don't even know what we're asking for because it's gotten so big. You know what I mean? So it's like you're let down in such a massive way, but you also aren't really sure what you're asking. And I'm not saying that you have to, you know, like know the answer before you go to someone, um, that you are connected with. That's not what I mean in that perfectionism way. Mm-hmm. I just mean, um, get to know yourself a little bit more. And I think mm-hmm. that that's step one is really asking yourself, what do I need? What, you know, how do I relate to my sadness? How do I relate to my anger and start to talk to those different emotions, start to talk to your needs. So they're just not completely unfamiliar. I don't like to be in the dark with my stories. I don't like to be in the dark with how I'm feeling. I don't need clarity right away either. I'm, 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 I'm okay with the in-between and moving through something because I need to move through it. And yeah. the, I can't force myself to be in an emotion that I'm not in. So yes. if I'm still angry, I need to be angry, but it's through my, it's been through the repetition of growing intimacy with myself. When I can now say I've been here too long. I've been in the mm-hmm. anger. I'm a, in, I'm at home here. And now it's getting stuck. It's not it's yeah. I'm stuck. Right. Yeah. But how do, how have I learned that I'm stuck? I had to start. And so sometimes I think we're afraid to be like, well, what if I just start to fly off the handle? You know, we, yeah. we go, we, of course <laughs> we think we're going to go the opposite extreme. Like now all of a sudden I'm just going to like, you know, not care about other people's needs. I'm like, no, mm-hmm. but how will you know that range for yourself if you don't start to play with it and start to. to ask those questions? Cause I only, I know now when I've been in an emotion that's, um, that's muffling other things, or like I've been somewhere for too long is because I'm intimate with it. And I can honestly call myself out with that. Right. Mm -hmm. Or I can go to someone and say, Hey, jazz, like, I can't seem to shake this thing. Can you help Mm -hmm. me out? Mm -hmm. You know, that's just me being honest. Um, but it just starts with those little steps that you're talking about, which is what is a need? What does that need for me? Yes. So simple. So simple. There's two things that you mentioned that I'm, I'm just like taking notes as we talk. Yeah. (laughs) 
there's this piece around unconsenting and and it's something that's been coming up as i've been like developing and speaking about energy fasting as like a solar system like we are the center of the sun in our own field and we have personal planets that represent certain things in our life our relationships our you know our needs our spirituality and let's say a meteor comes and gets stuck in the gravitational pull of our venus our relationship sector in our in our field yeah and like you mentioned about your parents like seeing their meteor kind of gets stuck in the gravitational pull of your own venus relationship sector in in your own life in your own field a lot of the meteors and debris and static and disturbances that are in between us and that clarity of connection is unconsenting. Like we did not consent to viewing their relationship. They didn't ask for permission. Do you know what I mean? Like a lot of that isn't ours, but I think because it's been um, orbiting for so long, we start to think it's us. Mm -hmm. And without these questions of self-inquiry, we cannot discern between what is our own and what is someone else's. And so it locks us into this distorted crossbred persona where we don't know who that person is, that even a simple question like asking what are my needs triggers guilt, shame, selfishness, fear, all the different emotions that we're going to get in trouble because my life has only looked like this on this screen. And if I ask for even just a little bit more, I'm wrong or I'm this or I'm that. And I see it a lot in the spiritual space, like with um, light workers or service providers not being able to pay their bills because they want to be of service. And I think to myself, again, care for your energy first. You cannot be of service to any, you're not even of service to yourself right now because you have not acknowledged, become honest and courageous enough to know, not even to know, to advocate for yourself Yes, and advocate for your needs and advocate for the health of who you are. We cannot do anything for anyone else until we can advocate for ourselves. Because that's essentially what sessions or, you know, let's say you're a Reiki master or, you know, you do energy work. You're advocating for someone else's help. You're advocating for them to get healthy and for them to become clear into what they need. And it's low key hypocritical and also probably high key why your needs are not being met is because you have not spent enough time advocating for yourself first. Yes. That is the root issue. Absolutely. And it's, it's just like going back or not going back, but talking about interdependence. Yeah. And this is what I think about, especially with the consent thing, when there's like a level of codependency, which I know is used a lot in the wellness space, but it's just like, you know, I'm well, when you're, when you're well, when you're not good, I'm not good, um, is one form of that. And I think there's this beautiful quote by Miriam Hasna and she, and I always go back to it and she said, care, don't carry. Mm. Care, don't carry. You can care about someone without being responsible mm. for them. And when I say responsible for me, the weight of how the outcome of them, their their emotions, their reactions is my responsibility. Mm. 
And when you think about that, even in a client setting or a service provider or anything, and when I used to be that way, not only am I not caring for my needs, I am not encouraging that other person's autonomy. Yes. Because I am saying you jazz are not capable yes. of going, moving through this. You jazz are not, you need me. I need to save yeah. you. I, you can't be here without me. So I'm going to just sacrifice all of my needs to help you because what you're not capable. Yeah. That's that like, um, and I think, so when it comes to that energy of, you know, over giving too, I think that there's a few, like, um, it's very, what's the word? Like innocent, if you will, yeah. like, because it's like, oh, but I care so much. Like I'm such a good person. It's very, it's glorified. It's like, um, it, it's, it's the Messiah complex. Exactly. And so, but really underneath that is it's still manipulation. Yes. It's just not the aggressive manipulation that we see that is bad. Like the more violent, aggressive, like maybe abusive, um, outwardly, you know, but there's, to me, they're still stemming from a similar root of insecurity mm -hmm. and fear. Mm -hmm. It's a very different extreme expression of that. But like the person who is in their lower self and like, oh, my don't, my, I don't have needs. I told, I don't care. I'm totally good. And over giving to make someone else happy. It's like, <sighs> there's, there's still no autonomy. There's no encouragement. So you're still, um, kind of like manipulating the situation so that you feel safe because when they're happy and you made them happy, I'm good. Right. But that's not interdependence. Like you, I, when I talk about that, I mean, I love relationships where we are encouraging each other's autonomy, our individuality, and we're also growing together. Yeah. But I don't, you don't need me and I don't, I don't need to fix or heal you. I don't need to get my own healing through you, yes. you know, all, that whole cycle. Yes. 1000%. I, I see it as like a little triangle in my head on the bottom left. It's hyperdependence, which is like, God is going to come and save me. And I'm not going to do anything about my situation or take responsibility for who I am on the right side of the triangle. It's hyper independence. Leave me alone. I got this. I know exactly what to do. I know the steps. It's funny that that was me. Yeah, that's <laughs> no, that's totally me. That's exactly yeah. why I burned out because it was hyper independence. It was like mm -hmm. it was like I'm God, but in a distorted way. Yes. As opposed to I am divinely human. And I still have all these surrounding powers around me to support me. And it's funny because on the, the bottom of the spectrum, I feel like us humans were constantly oscillating between religious dogma and completely spiritually bypassing, you know, like mm -hmm. hyper-independence <laughs> yeah. and hyper-dependence. But it's funny because if you look at it as a mountain, we're both meant or designed to be climbing up to the pinnacle of interdependence, which is to discern what step is yours to take and what step is the forces that be you can call it universe god energy nature it's just a force field that is protecting us i mean we would not be able to just be spinning on this rock without a force without a gravitational force field and what's happening in our solar system is a macro of what's happening in our own personal solar system on a micro level and that's why i always kind of describe energy fasting as you are the center of the solar system. You are the sun and everything else in your aura is in a gravitational pull to you. This is why you can pick up some debris or static or something that's off in your field. <clears throat> Excuse me. 
But without knowing this, we just oscillate back and forth between religion because it's too hard to take responsibility for yourself all the time in hyperdependence. So we want a deity, a figurehead to hold all of our responsibility. And then on the right side, you want to be the only authority of your life and be completely controlling. And your little body, your little human body just can't do it all. It just is not designed for that. It's designed for, like you said, connection, connection, connection to a power that fills your body up with life and breath and the action and the courage and the clarity to take whatever next steps are in, you know, for you in your life. Um, the second thing that you mentioned was how do I relate to my emotions and needs? And when I, when I heard you say relate, I heard it in my mind as how am I in relationship with yes. my mm -hmm. emotions and needs? Am I an avoidant attachment? Am I an anxious attachment to my emotions and my needs? <clears throat> Excuse me. And if we can think of it like that, I am 1000, 100,000% avoidant with my emotions and needs. It's always like, no, 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 no. I'm going to give it to that person first. I'm going to give it to that person first. And there is a bit of a wobbly period when you stop that and start uh, caring for yourself. So I just want to acknowledge that there is that period where you're kind of freaking out a little bit and it's like, oh, oh I'm, I'm doing something bad. I'm going to get in trouble. Like, <laughs> you know, someone's going to come raw. for me. It's very, it's very raw. raw. That's exactly mm -hmm. it. It's very raw. Um, and that's around the time where I see my symptoms flare up when I have stopped being avoidant with a certain need. Mm -hmm. And there's like that calibration period of coming into a st stable ground with, oh, okay, I don't take calls after that time, or I I'm no longer going to show up in that way. Um, so it's just interesting to note, like just some of the the pieces of this conversation, I'm like starting to clock in with like my health journey, which is a really big part of my life. But I wanted you to talk to us about um, fundamental hunger, because it just feels like we're talking about eating, invisible eating. So there's something <laughs> that is like very connecting to all of this. Yeah. Um. Well, you know, I got the download for that during uh, the vision. If you oh know, you gosh, know about stop. the vision. <laughs> Oh my God. What a full circle moment. So, okay. So I guess first, the, the first time it downloaded, it was before the vision, but when it, when I realized what it would actually be, cause fundamental hunger came to me and I was like, don't know what that is. Mm. 2020, um, initial lockdown is when it happened. And I was kind of like, okay, what do I do with this? I'm not sure. I know there's something I was, you know, working at this job that was slowly, um, weathering, like I was wiltering. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and then during the vision, I, it finally clicked, you know, I talked about the magazine with you guys, um, that I want to create still there, but fundamental hunger. I realized it was so strong. I'm like, this is, this is the first step to that. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, this is what it is. And it finally, I finally got so much, um, all of my splenic. Yes. And I was like, this is what I need to do. And fundamental hunger I mean, it's almost like everything we talked about, which is like, how do I saw what come home to myself? Yeah. What does that mean to me? And I think it's, you know, it sounds very like poetic, 
which I mean, I just like love talking like that. I think it's my, I learned that in the vision. Actually, I have my Mercury's in cancer. So oh yeah. I, I, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my communication is very mm-hmm. like, like that. I don't know how to explain yes. And, um, and for me, it was always, I came back to my emotions. Yeah. I belong the, the, when I belong to and with alongside any emotion that is present for me, I'm at home. Hmm. And I've, all of the emotions that I've had, the new ones that's being shown, the ones that I can only feel, and there is not a word in sight that I feel I can capture it. Hmm. I, when I'm with it, when I lean in with it, I, I really do feel at home, at peace. It's when I'm resisting an emotion, when I'm resisting my current circumstance is when I don't actually belong. Yeah. It's how I feel what I don't belong. And so fundamental hunger is really about what does it mean to belong to you? How do you do that with others? Because again, mm. I didn't, I thought it had to be one or the other. I'm either alone or I'm with other people and I'm like codependent. And so that's not safe. So let me just keep going being alone because clearly I can't be with other people because this is what happens. Yeah. But really it's like, well, can I learn to trust myself instead of projecting that onto relationships and having that bitterness and resentment boss, like um, fester, how do I belong to my needs and my emotions? So when I am in, and when I'm connecting with somebody at any level, um, it's honest and I'm not um, unknowingly asking them for more than I am not willing to give myself or I am unwilling to ask myself. And so fundamental hunger is really, I want to remind people um, what helps them belong to themselves, what emotions bring them the greatest joy, the greatest, whatever, like what makes you, you jazz, like what makes you feel, um, I just love reminding people of their value and that they never have to dim to receive a level of intimacy with someone else. You don't have to shift into a lesser version of you let me try and do this. So then this person gives me this, mm-hmm. um, even if it's like innocent, but really it's like, how can I be the fullest me and how can I celebrate myself? And that celebration doesn't just lie in the joy, but I can also celebrate myself and know that I'm still enough. Even when I'm sad, even mm-hmm. if I'm disappointed, even if I'm angry. <laughs> I just want to it's an emotional playground of just all of that. I love it so much because you have your mercury and cancer and cancer rules our emotions. It's the moon. It's the mother. It's also the home. So, you know, you saying our emotions really brings us back home to that self. And my Chiron, my wounding is in cancer. So it's so healing to have this conversation with you and to have such a clear mirror and a clear reminder that the emotions that I felt as a child is actually the thing that will create the greatest power inside of me. I had an astrology reading, honestly, right before I burnt out and got really sick. And I've been, Mm -hmm. I keep getting a message to go back and listen to it. And maybe I'll do that today. But in that reading, she was saying, I have, um, I have, Scorpio in my fourth house. And that's not an easy placement. Um, if you have it, I'm with you. It's just a place <laughs> of like, basically the, the home that you grew up in is very scorpionic, deep deception, secrets, um, abuse. And, and uh, I grew up in, in all of those things. And so 
my home was not uh, necessarily a place of emotional safety. Uh, you know, the moon is about safety and safety in our emotions. So when you grow up in a home that is very dark, almost demonic, um, y- you just don't you, like maybe that's why I'm able to do all this type of like deeper work is because that's just kind of in, in my ancestry, too. And what she was saying was that because you have Pluto here in your fourth house in Scorpio, there's this thing called the Pluto polarity point where after you have, after Pluto has transformed whatever house it's in, it goes into the opposite house. So the opposite house from four is 10 and 10 is like our destiny, our career, our purpose, the world stage. And she was like, if you can heal the wound of your mother and your maternal ancestry, you will be incredibly powerful. And I was just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. How do I get the power now? And she was like, no, no, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> that was like a year and a half ago. Wow. And I, I'm just understanding what she said. Just understanding what she said because of the sickness and going down and moving through the emotions and energy fasting and just being like, honestly, just forgiving my mom, forgiving the home, forgiving the energies of the home, forgiving what happened to me, to my siblings, to my mom, to our family, to our bloodline. Um, and having to sit with those emotions, like to say, I'm no longer in relationship with those emotions in a way that I numb out. I completely escape. I leave my body. It's like, I have to be in my body to process those emotions. And while it's not always fun, when those emotions are coming up, like I was reading an article literally about just skin, like epidermis. And I started bawling. And like, I did not understand why I'm reading about, you know, he's talking about the skin and what it represents and attacks on the individuality. And I'm reading and just taking notes from my own like scientific research. And in that moment is when I wanted to process a lot of the things that I had been suppressing. So I don't think that we need to be afraid of our emotions. And I love that you're giving us full permission to actually access them and use them in a way that fortifies what we're here for. Thank you. And we really don't, we don't have to be afraid of them. And even your, the journey that this, um, that you're talking about right now with your health, a reminder that intimacy is time, but time Mm -hmm. isn't sexy. We don't want it. We want it now. You know, when we're urgent, when we're desperate for the answer, desperation doesn't want to pause, right? It's not, it doesn't want seven to 10 business days. It wants it now. It wants it quickly. It wants us to, um, Mm. because we, we want to be outside of what we're feeling now. That's Mm. what, when I know I'm urgent or desperate something or something else, it's because I want that thing to save me from how I'm feeling right now. Save me from this emotion now. But the, the, um, the only way is through, like most people say, right? You have to move through it. Um, and so when you get to whatever that thing is on the other side, it will also be more sustainable because yeah. what happens? Like that energy latches onto the next thing, to the next thing yes. until it gets louder and louder and louder for you to hear. But when you're looking for, something outside of you to validate that, um, your safety or your spaciousness, like you, you said, right. Or whatever that, that 
feeling of home and peace and comfort and love um, that you feel, it's never going to be enough. And so mm. when I come back to my emotions, I'm like, I'm, I'm safe here now. Mm. I'm at home now. And like, when you were talking about the words, like it doesn't have to be the direct opposite. One of mine is home. I feel at home with my, I really do. I'm like, hi, come here. Like what version of, yes, I love you. Hug. Because whatever is next to that emotion that might feel too overwhelming there is so much treasure next to it. Yeah. And if you can move through the challenging emotion um, or feeling, you'll get to witness that treasure. And like, you get to bring that with you to the next yeah. step. Yeah. I mean, I even just had to slow down as you were talking because I, I'm like so excited and also nervous for being so excited. Do you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like, it's like, yeah that I get to have this conversation with you, that we get to be in this space together. Like, oh my God, let me just get to the other side so I don't have to feel the loss, <clears throat> feel the sadness of the loss of when it's over, you know? But it's, yeah, God, it, it just really shows up in, in, in the smallest ways because the fact that we do get to be together, connecting on things that we both care about and love so deeply it's such a blessing. And you know, that God is in the room, you know, oh that these gosh, two yes. God beings are in the room and it can feel so overwhelming mm -hmm. to just like accept and eat it and like digest it. It's and so delicious. Yes. <laughs> and also, isn't it wild sometimes when you have that emotion, you're just like, I can't believe my body. Sometimes even when I look back, I'm like, wow, I can't believe my body was capable of holding that much pain yeah. Yeah. or that much, um, discomfort. Yes. Like we can hold so much. And I think that that's why mm. suppression, because we can hold so much, that's why we can suppress so much and keep going because I think mm. we are so capable of holding so much. So and that's much. why it's so important to move through it because yeah. we can hold it, but for only so long, so long, mm -hmm. exactly. For only so long until it starts to distort, stagnate, rot. Um, you want to others. <sighs> yes. Oh, okay. I just need a moment. I'm like very, <laughs> yeah. I'm very happy. Um, what are some of, what are some of your practices that like, you know, that you're doing when you kind of feel this just wave of just gratitude, but also mm -hmm. grief? I, I love to write. I love writing. I write in my journal every day. Um, I love to talk out loud. Mm. And I love to sing out loud at my desk a lot. If I'm in a stressful situation on my desk, I, my partner will laugh because I'll start singing through it because I, if I can't really pause, I need to like get it out of my body. Yes. And I love to talk or when I'm on a walk, I'll start just like talking out loud. I'm like, okay, this is what I'm wanting. This is, I'm like talking to me, my higher self, whoever. Um, and I, I, I think I just spent so much time shutting down my voice that I'll take mm. any opportunity to speak the truth, my truth. Mm. And so whether that's writing it um, as another way of expressing my words or speaking it out loud, that really allows to like not be timid of what's inside. How can mm. I not be timid of this emotion? How can I not be timid of this joy or this idea? Um, and I can still be scared, but I like, can I saw or hear it from my own writing words? I feel like that really, um, gives me the courage to like, keep going. 
Yeah. Do you have a defined so throat I, or undefined? I have a defined throat. And know. you know, what's funny is when I started learning about the, um, the centers and I was learning it from you, I was like, oh, I probably have an undefined throat. I also had a very an assumption of what that meant, but I didn't realize how much programming was in my defined throat. Yes. And I kept reading my chart and it was like, you actually, this is a strength. And I was like, are you sure? <laughs> I'm like, wait, 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 hold up. Something, something. <laughs> so I'm like someone lost something on the way here because hold yes. up. I didn't I realize. And that's like, that's why I love these tools too. If you could use it to, if you can have a relationship with it, that is mm -hmm. um, empowering. And like, like you talk about a lot too, right? Like liberating you. I was like, wow. I, it was there all along. It was It's actually always been there. I have the 31 seven oh. gate fully connected. When oh. I was learning about that, I was like, wow, this is actually, this is me. Like it is in the stars. I can, I can hear it too in your voice too. So, you know, I, I would listen to some of your podcasts that, um, on, um, expanded and I'd just be like, mm. this is alpha for sure. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, get the fuck out of my way. <laughs> it's so precise and just like, it clears the whole room and it just, you can hear a pin drop. I'm like, oh. whoa, that is, that is a powerful voice, you know, it's, it, but it's not, it's not, um, unlikely because you're talking about your dad mm -hmm. and have him having his quiet voice in terms of expressing his needs and his emotions. That's the debris and static that gets absolutely. Yeah. You know, oh looping. yeah. I relate to him a lot. Yeah. It just gets looping in that defined throat. And you're just like, wait a minute, where the heck did that come from? Because I have a completely open throat. So yeah. I have no gates, no definition, nothing. And I think for me, what really happened was, you know, I have a mother, I grew up, I was raised by a mom with a defined throat and a defined heart and a defined emotional center. So a lot of power in her voice and you know, still to this day, she screams on the phone and people always ask her, what's wrong? Nothing. I'm just talking to my daughter. It's just, yeah. it's amplified, right? It's just, she's also Nigerian. So it's just an African yeah, thing. Yeah, I, I get it. I get it. Loud. <laughs> always loud. Always loud. But it made me ashamed. So it did the opposite. I was like, well, if my mom don't is be loud, that. don't be that. Be quiet. Don't say anything. Don't even make a peep. If cries yes. are, if tears are coming down, wipe them away right now. Don't even show that anything's happening. And so, so that was my own conditioning um, to really like, you, you're allowed to be heard. Like you're allowed, mm -hmm. and you don't have to be loud to be heard. Exactly. Right. Because we're also modeled what it means to be powerful. Yeah. Is that your is, is that true for you mm. or can sensitivity, can softness be powerful? Mm. Because when you're in that authentic voice, when you are in your, um, when in your, your genius of how you want to be and show up, the correct people are going to, the evidence will be, I mean, it's going to just fly everywhere. Mm -hmm. You don't need to pretend mm -hmm. to be anything. People are going to be like, wow, I love that. I see you. And you, you're not, you don't have to pretend to be this mm. fake form of, someone else's definition of power or how they are authentically showing their power mm, mm. or softness or whatever the, the word is that you want to use. Mm. <laughs> so Can good. I ask you real quick? Yes. Um, ask me anything how, you want. How, how do you feel? How is your health today? My health is a lot better today. And 
it's so much better that it actually brings up some fear because I have set some firmer boundaries and my mind kind of goes off on tangents sometimes around like people are not going to want to work with you because, you know, you set this kind of boundary or, you know, sometimes people will ask me questions in the DMs and I'll just say, I'm sorry, I can't answer that. Before I would send them voice notes. I would, I would just be available all the time, you know, because my mom always said, if you have, you give. Like that was just the rule. Like if you have, you give. There's no, it's not about you. It's not about how much you want to keep or it just doesn't matter. The cost. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter the cost. It doesn't matter if you, if you're sick, it doesn't matter if like, there would be times where she would pay other people's bills. And I'm like, but what about ours? Like, do you know what I mean? Like it, it, it was never a balanced giving. And I would always tell her mom, you do not have to sacrifice yourself. You do not have to sacrifice yourself. And she, she knew it. But the yeah. action, the pattern of the action was still there. And she's gotten so much better, you know, over the years. But it's just, oh, it was, it was just so deeply ingrained within me that now when I, I was just about to say, now when I don't meet other people's needs, but that's actually not what's happening. What's happening mm-hmm. is that I'm caring for myself first. It can, it's so uncomfortable. It, it honestly can still feel really uncomfortable. And so that's why I practice energy fasting is like to keep on reminding myself to create that new pattern that says, this is how you want to be in relationship with your needs. And this is actually how you want other people to be in power with their own needs. I want to help you. And if I can, and it feels spacious for me and in my capacity to help you in that moment, I will not withhold from you. I won't do that. I will not withhold. But the reason why I'm not giving isn't because I'm withholding. It's because I don't have the capacity to give. Sometimes, you know, months can go by and I'll think of that question or that person. And I'll try to find them in my DMs and say, hey, I know you asked this months ago. I'm now in a place where I can do this. And this is also my healing with timing. You know, just because someone asks right now doesn't mean I have the capacity right now. A lot of times it's just an acknowledgement that maybe in the future to think of them when I do have the capacity. And sometimes I will mm-hmm. do that. And sometimes I won't, you know, and that's probably the divine timing anyways. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. Exactly. And I think um, back to what you said around the, that in between and that raw place of like, oh, I set that boundary. Oh, you know, you're just like, mm-hmm. you, you like catch your breath. Like you're literally in, I, I picture I, it's in my body. I'm like, I'm not actually taking, you're not breathing. <laughs> you're, no, you're, you're not, <laughs> you're just like, <gasps> you're ready and, for death. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's that moment where it's, you really have to, you know, double down on yes. allowing yourself to expand in the, the you that sets boundaries now. Yeah. Totally. Because sometimes I also think we need other people to get on board so quickly because we're not on board. Oh, I need you to affirm to me that you're on board. So that makes that um, <sighs> affirms to me that my choice and my boundary is correct. But the thing is, if you've spent so, so much of your time, um, anyone listening around, like, and I, I said this before, like three, say 364 days out of the year, your needs are last the 365th day. People are not going to be running into your house during a party. Like, Oh my God, Jess has needs. Ooh, what are we going to do? We're <laughs> like, um, so can you get me the thing? Like you're late mm-hmm. and then you're mm-hmm. upset. And it's like, no, you've, you've also taught people 
a certain way to treat you. Yes. So we can either get mad at them or we can know that in that buffering stage, some people will get on board and some people won't. Mm. But are you on board? Are you on That's board? the steadiness. Are you on board? And how are you going to respond to people not being on board? Yeah. Because and- I can absolutely, you know, puddle and be like, oh my God, everyone hates yeah. me and, you know, all the things. Or I can, like you said, steady this. And like I always say, hold the pose. Hold mm-hmm. the pose until it becomes stable. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Hold the pose to the best of your ability. Yeah. You don't have to hold it. You're not going to hold it in the way that you're going to be holding it in a year from now. Yes. Because that's going to be a year of practice. Yes. So don't, you're not, you know, you're, you're, you're still a student in mm-hmm. this new posture. Mm-hmm. So can you be that student um, okay. and feel every, every uncomfortable it thing is. that happens in the process? It is. It, it's so uncomfortable, but then like 15 seconds later, it leaves. And then you're like, yes, exactly. Made it through we it. always think it's going to last forever, but what lasts forever is your resistance to it. That's oh, yes. what's prolonging this. The more you can move through, you realize like, wow, I'm good. And your comeback rate, you're like, you're so much more resilient. Yes. I do feel that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I do feel that for sure. I feel that for yeah. sure. There's definitely and everyone wins and everyone does win eventually. Yeah. I think there is this, I, you know, kind of like to round it out. I really do think it's just this respect of time. We are on earth and I know time is a construct and I know like earth is a construct too, but like we're here (laughs) in this reality and like, we need to acknowledge and respect that. And me coming from, you know, a South node in the 12th house, it's dissolve, 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 dissolve the ego, dissolve everything. It's like, no, 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 no. In this lifetime, I'm designed to be with the material respect the material and whatever laws we have decided are in the material that includes money that includes friendship that includes time that includes the health of my body that includes my daily activities and routines that includes my work that includes paying my bills and drinking my water and going on walks and things that actually respect the creation of godness like the physical tangibility of godness as opposed to only siloing god in this realm of unseen how can we protect and respect god in the seen world as well which is our food you know cooking more for ourselves holding hands hugging kissing loving sending words of affirmation to ourselves and to others and i'm really excited to see what the results of that would will be not only in my life, but like as a community together. Yeah. It's going to be pretty luscious. I think. I agree. And I, I think agree. I love that you're bringing it back to those simplicity, the simplicity. So we yeah. make things really complex in where, where we think the answers are. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think a lot of people roll their eyes when they're like, feel my emotions. Ugh, okay. I know. I'm like, no, I'm like, no, but for real. And it's for real, free. For real. It's, it's free. free. Like I was telling Alex in the car yesterday. Okay. So this is kind of like a looping thought that I had and I will out myself now in front of everyone. Oh, (laughs) you're in here first. Okay. Let's go. Um, I have gate of depth in my unconscious son. So 48. And so like, I really just, I want to be deep, you know, like I, I want to, it just feels so luxurious. And I was telling Alex, I was like, what if, you know, people start energy fasting and they're like, she's a fucking fraud. 
This is not deep at all. She's telling us to journal, breathe, and make friends. All the things that are free that we didn't do. That is such a real thought. And I totally understand that where it's like, I'm not reinventing the wheel, but like I yeah. am also yeah. at the same time <laughs> a little bit. And yeah, I, that I they're not going to. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I really had to catch myself because I was like, these things are free. Like maybe I should just give them away for free. Like it's breath, it's writing, it's all the things. But um, I came to this realization that like, although they are free, we want to be entertained just as humans. Mm-hmm. And if someone can put something together in a very simplistic, but also entertaining way, that is kind of like a game level one, level two, level three, level four, we'll do it. We like, we will go and we'll play the game, especially if we haven't really come to enjoyment around working out every day, drinking our water, going on walks. Like it hasn't become an enjoyable process. And we love the person in front of us. Like I will absolutely sign up for your thing. And you're telling me to feel my emotions. I'm there. Like, are, what are you talking about? <laughs> I'll take my credit card right now. Like it, I'm paying for this. Do you know what I mean? Just for the sake of enjoyment and enjoying mm-hmm. it with another person. And that's really, and it just brings tears to my eyes because that's really what we're craving is yes. this deeper connection with each other's creative expression, not the breath, not the journaling, not the, like, I don't give two rats ass about that. I care about being in the presence of your creative expression. Show me what you've made. I want to enjoy that thing. Yes. And like when you, when I hear you say that, that loop that might, um, you know, come knocking at your door sometimes I'm like, that is the biggest underestimation of you jazz. Like, Hmm. because I think, you know, there's, we are us individually. And I'm speaking to you jazz, like, you have the most unique way of reminding people of like what they're capable of, of, and like in a way that like, again, like I said, starting this podcast, I'm like, when I heard your IG live, I was like, who is, who is this? How am I just finding out about her? Where's she been on my life? How have I not have her in my life? (laughs) And pulling my partner in the room. I'm like, we we're going to watch this video about money because guess what? <laughs> I knew, I knew a lot of, not that I didn't know I wasn't at a complete beginner level. Of some of the things you're talking about, but man, it took me to a greater depth, um, a newer perspective. And it was coming from your mouth. And that's not something like it can only come from you. Mm-hmm. And so that exchange and whether it's an offering that I'm paying for, like you're to your point, I'm getting, I'm wanting it from you Mm -hmm. because it's also igniting something within me that I'm willing to pay for Yeah. again and again. Yeah. Oh, so good. Oh, Mm -hmm. I could literally talk to you for hours. I do want to mention though, you have something coming up and you didn't mention it in fundamental hunger, but it says season one. And can we, can we join? Like, what is that? Is it? I clicked on it on the website and I was like, where do I go from here? What do I, what do I do? Take me. So season one, if you scroll down, hopefully it should still be working. I was a set of interviews that I did um, with a few black women in my life for season one, talking about belonging. And then I have my project 90 days of belonging 
Um, it's a tab on my site. It's archived there essentially. And this is such a beautiful example of not knowing, just answering whatever comes to you. And so I was not um, showing up for fundamental hunger. And I'm just like, what am I doing? I have these ideas. I get my yes. And then Mm -hmm. I drag my feet. I'm procrastinating. Talking with my partner and I was just realizing there was this fear around my black experience wasn't good enough. And that's really what was holding me back. For 90 days, I wrote to this story. Mm -hmm. Every single day for 90 days, this is what I convened with. I also allowed it to go other ways. Of course, I wasn't rigid, but I was showing up. And on the other side of that, I was like, wow, I get to be wrong about myself. I was Mm -hmm. wrong. And I was holding this absolute truth that was not actually truth. And then Mm -hmm. I decided that I would, that's when my newsletter started. So I have a newsletter now, but 90 days of belonging, um, some excerpts from like what I wrote was the first iteration of my newsletter. Mm -hmm. And I love it. And it's archived Mm -hmm. on my site, but I had no idea that this was, this is where it was going. Um, but yeah, so season one, I will be starting to record season two. I have to come on. Yeah. I'll let you know. (laughs) But, um, it'll be more interviews. Um, and I'll be creating my first 90 days of belonging workshop, hopefully to be released in May. I'm still, Mm. um, creatively pouring into that right now. I'm not going to cry. I feel like you're talking and I'm just like, I just want to cry for everything that you're saying. It's so good. Like I'm allowed to be wrong about myself. Mm-hmm. Can we just, I don't know why I'm crying. Like it's okay. You don't need a reason. It, that's it is. So it really freeing. is. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. you are allowed to no longer have to be right. Yeah. About carrying the stories that you've carried about yourself for so long and we often think about failure or at least I do as a third line and it's always about getting it right getting it right that's how you know that you've succeeded if you've gotten it right but the fact that you got it wrong actually frees yourself from an identity that you didn't want to be anyway exactly and you had I just had to commit to asking it more questions. And I think that's when like going back to emotions too, it's like in it, you know, when we talk about something owning you an emotion owning you, the reverse isn't to me. Now I own this emotion. No, no, I'm in relationship with my anger. I don't tell my anger what to do, but I can have now w- with who I am today, no one to check it and no one it's it, like catch it before it does something. Um, what might cause harm to myself or someone else, Mm -hmm. but I, I talk with it, right. I'm in relationship with it. And so, um, yeah, through 90 days, I was like, Oh yeah, I was wrong. And other people get to be wrong about me and people will be wrong about me for the rest of my life. Someone Mm -hmm. out there will be, and that's actually okay because I am now at peace with, I have been wrong about me too. Yeah. That's so beautiful. I cannot wait for the workshop. I thank you. It's going to be amazing. Like the work that you're doing is so amazing. I'm, I'm so happy that we connected in the vision and like have stayed connected since it's such a blessing to like know you and to be with your work and to get to talk to you. And thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much. And if you move, you know, I, my family's in Seattle, so hopefully I think we can meet in real life one day. That would be so amazing. 
that would be yeah. incredible thank you so much jazz wow. thank you thank you everyone listening i will put all of sawa's information in the show notes so you can contact her and learn more about when that workshop goes live and we'll see you on the other side <laughs>